Thank you, guys. Thanks. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to I give props to the praise team from, uh, from both churches and others who have participated this week because, you know, as as person behind the pulpit, when you, have a, when you have a group like that behind you, it forces you to bring your A-game, and praise the Lord for that. I mean, you, gotta, you, gotta, you can't be playing when you come behind the pulpit uh, when you've got a group like that that is leading everybody together and, and you know, getting everybody focused and, and also uh, getting your heart rate up so that you're ready to receive the word. So praise the Lord. I uh, thank God for them. A couple of three quick housekeeping items. I've been told that there is a lost and found at the back. If you lost something in here or around, there's a lost and found at the back. And I don't, I don't know, but at one point, one of, one of the Debs had found a key. Somebody lost their key. These are $95 keys to you, not to us. You got to pay that if you lose it. So I don't know if she ever found whose key that was, but she said she, she would give it back to you for $50, and that will be a good discount. Um, if you lost something in the dining hall, check with, you know, the guy who swipes the cards at the register because he's, he has a set of keys. He has a water bottle. He has a T-shirt. I don't see anybody topless today, so I'm not sure whose that is. But, uh, so if you lost something over there, you can check with them. We did, a, we did a plug for the uh, LFBI Israel trip that uh, Lord Willing will, and he tarries is coming, will take place uh, November of 2017. And, um, you know, when Benny Hinn does his trip for $35.99, um, starting at that, you know, he's not going to step out of his pool for less than 100 people. I'm just saying, they have at least 100 people, or they ain't going. So that means they charter their own plane, they get the lowest prices. In our case, our price, which right now is 3000 to 3200 depending on when we get your deposit. Uh, Deb told me we had two people give a deposit already. So praise the Lord. Our price is based on 30 people, and it does not even include money for me, for the leaders, for, for anybody who's leading the trip. So we ain't like that. It's not like, you know, a lot of pastors do Israel trips because for every five paying persons, somebody goes free and da-da-da. And, uh, and we don't market it like that. So that's the, that's the rock-bottom price. So, again, if you, if you put a deposit in, $300 deposit before you leave today, you can go for $29.99. That means $2,999. And... Um, and, and we'll go ahead and lock you in at that rate just because uh, you got with us early. And I don't know if you understand the importance of uh, what we do here in 72 hours away together for this. We come on the heels of a difficult week in America. I'm just re- really just a hard time. Uh, and then, and then, while we're way here, on top of that, eighty-four people killed in Nice, France. Twenty-five on life support. Oh, another over fifty in critical condition. 
The devil is a sniper. Person who does not have the world view that we do, which is shaped by the word of God, shaped by the Bible, doesn't even know how to understand it. They don't know how to react to it. They don't know how to control it. They don't know how to take care of it. They have no idea. And they have no idea because they're, they're, they're still blind. Their eyes have not been opened to, to what God is saying through his word to them. And so, so, so you have people being picked off by the devil before they can get a chance to hear the gospel of God's grace, before they can hear how they can trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross and get eternal life by, by putting their faith and putting their trust in Jesus. And yet most of the world, you know, of all the major religions, so Christianity and Islam and Buddhism and whatever, I mean, Christianity, the, the, the people, there would be more people who would say they are Christians than any other religion. And yet they don't know anything about Christ. You know, we're going to, we also gave a plug for uh, Bible Institute and talked about some of the classes coming up this fall. So this next spring, in the spring semester, which will start in January, I'll take eight weeks and we will go through the life of Christ. Because you cannot be Christ-like if you don't see what Christ was like. You can't be Christ-like. And so, so of all the major religions, probably more people say they're Christians than anything else, and yet they have no idea what Christ was like. Therefore, they are not Christ-like. They don't believe what he says when he talks about being the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. They don't believe that, and yet they call themselves Christians. Jesus says he has the truth, he speaks the truth, he gives us the truth. They ignore the truth. They want to suppress the truth because the devil is a liar. The devil is an assassin. And you know what? In Malawi, so we've talked about making, making Mark's Lowy our Lowy because right now it's his Lowy. We want it to be my Lowy. I want it to be my Lowy and our Lowy so we can go there. Because in countries like that, he doesn't, you know, they've had an animist past in history, and, and they, they, it's not developed, and there are not resources, and there's corruption in the government. And what that means is there's high infant mortality, and with, with Malawi in particular, there is HIV and AIDS is epidemic. And so, so Satan can pick people off, destroy their souls without a whole lot of effort on his part because of the way history has evolved in those places. And we look back and say, well, what can we do? We're doing it. If, if we go to Malawi, we're doing it. If we are training the pastors who are there, then we're doing what we should do. And then you move further west and see what's happening in Europe and what happened in, what happened in Turkey. So while we were here, while you were sleeping, okay, while you were pre- playing cards last night, <laughs> or maybe, maybe you're more digital and connected like that. 
So while you were looking for Pikachu last night, because you have succumbed to the Asian conspiracy to take over this planet. So, so if, you were looking at, if you were looking for Pikachu, I laugh at you. Pokemon is okay. I like Polka Dot better, but okay, Pokemon. And so maybe you were doing that last night. Well, while you were doing that, a coup was being attempted in Turkey, uh, in which now, this morning, which is a little later in the day over there, you know, probably at least 250 people have been killed. So... So then you move further west to France, we see what happens there, and then you move further west here to America. So we don't have, we don't have the endemic corruption and lack of resources and high uh, mortality, high uh, infant mortality rate and things like that, and, and uh, we don't quite have here the internal uh, terrorism issues that they do in, in uh, Western Europe at this point. Uh, so instead what we have is Satan gets us looking sideways at each other. And he gets us to be suspicious about those who are doing the policing and those who are being policed. And so you have people shooting at the police. You have the police shooting people. All of it is based on fear. All of it, yes, yes, it is a racist conspiracy because it's a conspiracy of the world, the flesh, and the devil against the human race. And so people ask and say, Alan, what can we do? What can I, our church do? We should do something. This is what we do. Because all you have to do is look around in here. Whenever, whenever, you know, whenever Eric or Brandon asks you to stand up and hug, find somebody and hug them, and all you have to do is look around. This is the solution right here. But this solution we have right here has to be taken out of here so that through the truth that Christ said he is and he gives us, we can unblind the eyes. We can unblind the minds of men and women to the gospel. So that, yes, in one sense they become like us, but really they become like Christ because they see what Christ is like when they see us. So if you have your Bible with you, get Judges chapter 6 in your left hand and 1 Timothy 4 in your right hand. And if you have a digital device, then bookmark it. Okay, Judges chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 4 is, is 1 Timothy 4 will be home base. Then we'll go to a number of other places as well. But the significance of what we do in here, the 72 hours away, we have to have this. We have to have this every year. We have to have these 72 hours away together. Every year. We need 72 hours at the beginning of the year as a focus on missions. And and an opportunity to bring our churches together. Just like every Sunday, every first day of the week, Christians from 
from Earth's Christianity's earliest ages have always met on the first of the week to come together to worship. First day of the week. Why? Because we need that every week. If we don't have this, then, then Satan, who's, who is an assassin, but his main game in getting to that is deception, if we spend too long away from each other in venues and environments like this, hearing what we need to hear, uh, being motivated to do what we need to do, if we spend too much time away from this, we begin, he gets in our mind and we get suspicious of each other. We get paranoid ourselves. So we have the answer right here with us, and we are the answer when we go from here. And and the significance of this answer and the way we do it with an all-church camp is it spans generations. We've got to span the generations. So this is part of unwasting your life. You know why? Because even though Satan is, a dis- is an assassin, he uses deception, and he can only deceive you with your willing participation. The devil can only deceive you with your willing participation. So today I want us to back up from Judges 16 to Judges chapter 6 for a moment as we lead into 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want us to talk about taking the risk of righteousness and how to, how to un-waste uh, your life. And in Judges chapter 6, you know, Pastor Trotter has taught us from the life of Samson how not to waste your life. And I think it seems like to me that Judges is is the book of the wasted life. And yet there are a few bright stars in that field of darkness. And there are a few brave souls who teach us, not just from their negative typology like Samson did, but from their positive example, how not to waste your life. So if we back up from chapter 16 to chapter 6, let let me show you one of these. So in order to not waste your life, you need to reach the lost. We need to be unblinding the eyes and unblinding the minds of those whose only input and influence has been heredity and environment, and all it has been is is the best that the world can give to them. And the problem with that is what is happening, what's happening across this globe Whether it's Malawi, in Turkey, in France, or here in many places, what is happening is not a rational thing. It's a spiritual thing. It is spiritual warfare. And when you try and deal with demons in a rational way, you will always lose. We've got to be unblinding the minds and the hearts of men and women to the gospel. To salvation by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ. And so, in order to reach the lost, and here's where I want to start at this morning, we need to remember, some of us, go back and remember our lostness from which we came and understand the world of the people that God has for us to, to reach. So, backtrack to the first 10 verses of Judges chapter 6. And you see Gideon and Israel spiraling together in this destructive cycle of disobedience 
which results in one defeat after another. Judges chapter 6, verse 2, And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made, the, made them the dens, which are in the mountains, and caves, and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites, and the children of the east, even, even they came up against them, and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till they could now come unto Gaza. And left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle in their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Returning to Ephesians chapter 2, Judges 6, I think, is a good Bible type or picture of the Laodicean church, the lukewarm Christianity that we have become today. Why? Because most churches today are not engaging, and most churches today are in hiding. So our churches have become dens. And caves, and they're strong holds, so, so but they hold us in, keep us back, and our churches have become defensive fortifications instead of the strong outreach they should be. And so we've got stealth saints who never reach the lost. So here's my thesis for today's study. Part of the reason that we are hiding, living a wasted life, as far as the gospel is concerned, is that we have forgotten what it was like to be lost. We've forgotten what it was like to be lost. Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 11, Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, note how he rejects the idea of any race outside of the human race. All there is is the human race. And he has to say, look, you know, we call you guys Gentiles. Really, that doesn't mean you're a different race. That's just a fleshly convention we use to kind of distinguish ourselves as Jews from you guys. And, and us, you know, we call you the uncircumcision because we're called the circumcision that is in the flesh made with hands, not spiritual circumcision, which God does. It's, you know, it's all, it's totally external thing. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of providence, having no hope and without God in the world. But since you're not yet feeling me like I need you to, let me put you back into a time when, when you were without Christ, feeling hopeless. You knew you were not connected to God. Let me give you an experiential exegesis of the life of the lost. So before we do a scriptural exegesis, let me, let me exegete from your own experience why we must not waste our lives. So first off, notice if you will, this is number one. Every time they're about to reap a harvest... The enemy strategically sweeps, swoops down and seizes whatever they produce. That made the people of Israel, just like the people along the I-70 corridor, living in the extended stay hotels or, or living low rent in Midtown, they are the class of the working poor. 
You are constantly on your grind. And as hard as you work, you have little or nothing left over. You're working two or three jobs. You still can't afford a house because rent is too high. Insurance is redlined. Taxes are too much. Credit is too tight. Gas is too expensive. Health care is off the charts. And don't even think about the payday loan gig. Get sideways with those loan sharks and you end up with a credit score of zero and that means you can't even find a place to rent. Homeless living in extended stay hotels. So do not be fooled because the issue is not always that people are lazy. We live in a society where, even, where some people even work long and they work hard. After their labor to feed and clothe and school their kids, they have nothing left over. That is what was happening in the days of Gideon. So second, on the other hand, this is number two. Since they can't make it working, they go underground. Israel surrenders their inheritance and they abdicate their identity just like Christians today have done. They made dens in the mountains or under the overpass, as the case may be. They couldn't make it in the legitimate economy, so they went into the underground economy. But in the final analysis, this is number three. God sends an angel to be a street pastor in Israel. Watch, verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abiezrite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So Gideon is not processing his harvest at the threshing floor. He's processing it at the wine press. Why? Because if his enemies knew what he had, they would take what he had. So he has to work on his harvest in hiding. But you know something? And this is my first point for study today. Anytime God sees someone that looks like Jesus, he has to bless them. And I don't know at this point just what it was about Gideon. Maybe it was just the fact he was next to a wine press. And, you know, we had, we, we had to, took the Lord's Supper together Thursday night. And maybe God just looked down and said, huh, wine press. Well, that, that reminds me of the blood of my son that's going to be shed. And I, I think I need to give this Gideon guy a, a, a second look. So here's Gideon. He's in resignation in, um, and yet he has not given up. He stayed in the game. The score turned against him, but Gideon stayed in the game. He was working where he could, and an angel of the Lord showed up as a street pastor to him. So if you're here and you're not asleep, I know just what you're saying. Look, Alan, I don't know who told you I was going to be at this camp. But I feel like my life is just like the times that you've described. I'm even being tempted with going back underground. I'm besieged with low wages, high unemployment, maybe not by the official numbers, but by those who have stopped looking, inadequate housing, oppressive payday loans. So don't let me leave here till you show me. How can I win the lost even in the losing times in which we live? How can I unwaste my life? I'd be glad to help you out. Give me, give me just a minute to unpack this paragraph in 1 Timothy 4. We'll clothe ourselves with his truth, get our healing, and uh, head out of here. Ready? Bring somebody with you to church on Sunday as both of our churches follow up on uh, camp together. For, start, start, let me start you off in 1 Timothy chapter 1. 
And then I'll take you to our text in chapter 4 where we watch an older man, Paul, encouraging a younger person, Timothy, to step out of hiding, stop wasting his life, take the risk of righteousness. So I want to give you just five things from this passage, five things that if all of our people did them, it would change our society overnight. Now, we can't get all of Christianity doing this, but we can get us doing this. And it will change your impact. The impact God wants you to have through your life, it'll change it overnight. You know, when we first started this thing at Harvest, uh, I called it all church camp. And because uh, I discovered if I called it family camp, then if the whole family couldn't come, then nobody would come. And so it's an all church camp. And then that has almost come to mean all church is camp. So, so any of the you know, Living Faith Fellowship churches can feel free to, to, to show up, and that's cool because if we could get everyone in our churches doing these five things after this weekend, it would bring the same type of victory that Gideon had over the Midianites because this is how to start living an unwasted life. Stop wasting your life. Start doing these things. So anybody want to hear this, just say, don't hold back, Alan. Okay, I'll even take silence as consent because it's just that important. Chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, verse 3. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Teach no false doctrine. Teach only sound doctrine. Reteach what had been taught by the Apostle Paul. Make sure you hold fast to biblical authority and a faith-based view of the Bible. Why? Because aging teachers chasing their youth have lost their swerve. They lost their swerve. They can no longer get their sermonic swerve on because they've swerved aside to empty insights that Paul calls vain jangling. They want to out-teach the teachers who taught them, and so they go for this esoteric information that has nothing to do with your practical holiness. And because they capitulated on biblical authority, they have no Bible insight. And to cover up their lack of Bible insight, they put away faith, they depart from the faith because, because they lack you know, true biblical insight. And so they left the faith actually for doctrines of devils and spirits that have seduced them, thereby making shipwreck of their once sailing ministry. Now turn to chapter 4, because that type of teaching created friction, it created frustration, it created a fracturing of the fellowship. So Paul writes to encourage Timothy, even as a young man, to start working the unwasted life and bring decency and order through sound doctrine. Chapter 4, verse 6. If thou put the brethren in, in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Why? Because you'll be nourished up in the words of faith and good doctrine. Now, that was risky business on a number of fronts because first, the Greeks, like many cultures, subordinated youth to age. So if a person did not have age, they were not given respect even after they had earned it. So first off, notice, if you will, how do you unwaste your life? Number one, do not let your age or youthfulness hinder you. 
Verse 11, these things command and teach, let no man despise thy youth. How do you keep that from happening? Be thou an example. He had to start on wasting his life if he ever hoped to achieve spiritual momentum. Do you have momentum in your walk in the spirit, especially if you are young? Start unwasting your life right now. Start at this camp and it will profit you for eternity. If you want to gain momentum with God, it begins with your faith muscle being exercised. And you do that by taking a risk for righteousness sake. That's why faith and risk are so closely intertwined. Watch, watch. But Here's our second point for study. For the person of faith, playing it safe is the most dangerous way to live. It really is. Because God wants you to walk in the Spirit. God wants you to use the sword that he's given and use his word to do the work. And as long as you have your armor on, you may get hurt sometime, but you live in his blessing. So the first move to unwasting your life, do not let your age hold hold you back, whether that is youth or old age. So if you don't know, you better ask somebody because... You may be differently able, but you are not disabled if you are in Christ. Man, you've seen examples of that even here at this camp. We got people coming in here in wheelchairs, and they still get up in the choir and sing. Hello, somebody. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who lives in you. And I hope you hear me today because we all, all of us have a responsibility now to raise up the next generation of leaders in this land. Why do we go to church if we don't want to plant churches? Why do we have a mission if we don't want to support missionaries? So then on the other hand, Paul's able to advise Timothy, and this is number two, do not back away from serving God. Verse 12, but be thou an example of the believers in word. In conversation, that means your lifestyle. In charity, that means your love. In spirit, in faith, in purity. Think big, dream big, pray hard, study hard, worship hard. Worship hard, love hard. Watch God turn his purpose into your experience. So come out of hiding. Do not back away from spiritual opportunities. You need to retread instead of retreat. And we lose confidence in what God is able to do so quickly. Oh, we tried and things got hard. We trusted and people proved untrustworthy. But since you were bold enough and courageous enough to come here this week, and since I got the mic, I need to be the one to tell you, and this is our third point for study. The issue is not your past. It's how you process that past through God's providence. Is it a problem just because it happened? No, it's only a problem because it manifests itself in relationships you have right now. And so the key is to process that thing through Bible principles in real time. Run your life through the Bible at the time or at some time and then trust it to God's providence. And here's your counseling tip for the week. Okay, this this is your tweet of the day for all your 20 friends. Conway, the sooner you stop dwelling on it, the sooner you have given it to God. 
I just gave you the answer. Prove you've given it over to God by stopping dwelling on it. So every time Satan brings it to your mind, just give it over to God. And you know what? The devil is not in the business of making you spiritual. So as long as you keep acting spiritual, he'll still stop messing with you. His goal is not to see you get spiritual in your responses. So if you give a, start giving a spiritual response on certain things, he'll stop using that thing to, to mess with you. Turn to Zechariah chapter 4. We live in a world where things fall apart, earthquakes happen, train wrecks happen. Two trains run, run into each other head on. I forget how many people died in that one. There are meltdowns, put-downs, and let-downs. People disappoint us. Friends betray us. We can't change it. We can't fix it. We can't avoid it. But just because it happened to you does not mean it has to define you. You are bigger than whatever they did to you. That's why the prophet Zechariah was so on point when he rhetorically asked in chapter 4, verse 10, For who hath despised the day of small things? What are you doing despising small beginnings? Big ministry starts with small opportunity. Start small, but don't stay small. Let me open a window on that word. The next time you see a mighty oak tree, you just need to remember something. That oak tree was once just a nut who refused to give up his ground. (laughs) So faith does not reduce uncertainty. Faith embraces uncertainty. So here's our fourth point for study. The reason faith embraces uncertainty is because that is what affirms that you know God is in charge. So what's it going to be, Bay? You going to trust God or not? Because... If you're going to trust God at all, you're going to have to trust him with all. If you don't trust him with everything, you're not trusting him with nothing. And you do that not just when you're up, but when you're down. Romans chapter 8, faith trusts God in the midst of uncertainty because even when you don't know how it's going to work out, you do know, Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. You are called to become part of an eternal purpose that God has. So in the heart of a crisis, trust God because you love God. And since you don't know when your next crisis is, you better know where you're at with God right now. Start unwasting your life. Back to 1 Timothy 4, then we're going to go to Psalm 32 real quick. How do you respond to suffering? Like Christ or like you were raised? Like Christ or like your kin? Like Christ or like you feel? Old church camp is a great opportunity to start unwasting your life and gain momentum in your spiritual life. So there's a third thing. Number three, do not hold on to past mistakes. Instead, verse 13, 1 Timothy 4, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, that's preaching, to doctrine, that's teaching. Do not dwell on negative things. Give yourself to edifying things. In Psalm 32, David gives you the prescription for solving all of your sins. Psalm 32, verse 5, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, God. 
And mine iniquity have I not hid? I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And check this. When you do that, look at what he does. Thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. And the word Selah means dwell on that devil. Think about that, Satan. And I don't see why you're not getting this because there's something that, that uh, is in you that is not working right due to the deviousness of your heart. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. All of us have a defective heart, which is why God replaces it with a new one. We don't get a new flesh. We've got to deal with that until we die or get raptured, till the rapture or the resurrection. But, it, but we get a new heart. We get a new man on the inside. We are in Christ. And the Holy Spirit is in us. And so all of us have this dirty old man, which God replaces uh, with a new man in Christ. Uh, because heaven is issued a recall. So, so when we bring what is wrong to God, he can fix it, Jesus. Just like he said, Ephesians 4, verse 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That means you got to release in order to receive. Okay, Romans 6, you, you can't revise it, you can't relive it, but you can release it and let God redeem it. Release the old man, receive the new, or else you'll keep hiding, stay silent, stay stagnant, and waste a good life by never risking anything for God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Release it! But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, receive it. And that's my word for somebody. If you come to God and release your sin, he will not just forgive your sin, he will give you his son. He will start changing your personality from the inside out. What are the areas of your past that are keeping you from moving forward with momentum? If you really want to step out and serve God, then number four, do not ever quit without finishing. Now, I know you've been sitting here saying, Alan, I'm not that young, so I know you ain't talking to me. All right, let me come down on your row and get you, because you have to be a little bit older to be tempted with quitting too soon. Abraham was 100, Sarah was 90. The assessment of the sacred text was that they were as good as dead, and yet they kept believing the promise of God, and their faith brought fulfillment to pass. So two things, and then i got to let you go. Letter A, dream God's incredible dream. Back in 1 Timothy 4, verse 14, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on hands of the presbytery. God spoke some word over you when you were younger. Time went on. Things changed. You gave up, but God never did. And second, letter B, chart God's unlimited direction. Verse 15, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Do you want to get unwasted? Then go, go out for God unlimited. Use your mind, meditate, use your resources, give yourself wholly. Use your life experiences, give yourself. Do not sit around waiting for osteoporosis to set in. 
chart your direction for God's unlimited destination and then the final analysis and then we'll, then we'll let the kids come in and sing to us. This is number five. Do not miss God's eternal purpose. Verse 16, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. You know, I was walking by the bowling alley um, the other night, and um, I saw a lot of kids playing, and, you know, not being professionals, they pick out house balls, really don't fit them, and I, I, just, I was kind of just laughing at that, and, um, and then one of the balls started talking to me. Now, you know I'm not crazy, because I did say, you ain't talking to me, it's all church camp, you ain't talking to me here. And the ball said, no, Alan, Shakespeare said that a good, good, past, a good preacher could get a sermon out of looking at the stone. So I need, I need to give you, uh, you know, some, some blessing from the bowling ball. I said, say on, Brother Ball. He said, how come, how come you're tripping on the kids trying to pick me up? And I said, because you're not suited for their hand, that you're too heavy for some, the holes are too, too big for others. He said, Alan, look on the lane. And I looked out on the lane, and I saw there were bumpers. I said, so what? He said, Alan, I don't see why you're not getting this. Because when they throw me, I can only go so far to the left or so far to the right, and then the bumper guard bounces me right back to the center. That is the function of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in your life. All you got to do is keep rolling the ball. You may not get a strike, but at least you'll hit something. So we're going to turn it over to the kids now to sing for us. <laughs> 